Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com and we're here to discuss all things American football again this week. What oh chaps? It's uh, been an interesting week this week. One of the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the uh, the changes in the coaching. There's been quite a, uh, quite a merry-go-round of, of management uh, in the last few weeks. Um, bit of an update on that. So um, the ones that have particularly uh, come out, Mike Malarkey, um, he was already at the Tennessee Titans as a uh, interim head coach he's now been given the uh, full-time head coaching role uh, Chip Kelly has landed in San Francisco for 49ers Doug Pedersen has been named head coach for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles he was previously at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs as the offensive coordinator um, and Dirk Koita has been uh, promoted to head coach in Tampa Bay uh, who was previously their offensive coordinator have I pronounced that right Dirk Koita I've heard Kurter and Cutter. Oh, well. I'm really not sure. In all honesty, <laughs> we might have to have to wait for some audio from the um, Bucks website to tr- work out how you're meant to pr- pronounce that. I've heard all three. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you think of some of those uh, those names landing in uh, those particular cities? Um, the Mike Malarkey one is curious because we keep hearing all these rumours about um, Titans being up for sale, and yeah. so much so that they've just the own, current owners have come out and said, "No, this is not happening." But some of the defense of this decision is that you wouldn't want to necessarily, if you are trying to sell the franchise, tie yourself to a coach when um, a new owner is probably going to want to put their own stamp on it when they buy the franchise. Yeah, uh, He's had a couple of short and not terribly successful but not very well positioned chances as a head coach. So he has a losing record. But he's not really had a fair shake and, and a long time to do it. Whether he'll get that with the Titans, given the quality of their roster, is another thing. You suspect that whoever is doing that job needs some time and some good GMing to um, turn that situation around. They've got a couple of good players, and obviously they've got a young quarterback, but there's not a lot else on that roster. And so I think it's it's hard to read too much into it just because the situation seems to be so uncertain. Mm. Are you surprised that Tom Coughlin didn't end up at the uh, Eagles or the 49ers where he was being linked with? Uh, the other week I think you definitely have him in um, I'm not sure I, I wonder if they worried about his age and neither team I think are particularly near turning things around quickly obviously the 49ers have a huge problem with um, the depth of their roster with it's sort of basically the disaster that was the last off season between retirements for various reasons and so it's a big rebuild job there and I actually like the Chip Kelly hire we'll get back to that in a moment and then the Eagles with all the roster turnover um, and I think it makes a lot of sense that they've gone to Pedersen just because uh, not only it's going back to the um, Andy Reid tree so he was being groomed to take over the Eagles previously um, obviously they moved away from, from Andy Reid and went to uh, uh, Chip Kelly and that hasn't worked out and it looks like they're going back to someone a bit more familiar who's worked with them before and whose system they, was a lot more successful over a more sustained period. Like you say, Chip Kelly obviously landed in San Francisco um, he's obviously going to be the head coach for the 49ers. What do, you, what do you think of that? Well, the obvious thing to like about that is the fact that in Colin Kaepernick he's got a running quarterback and that's... Mm no matter how much he says you don't have to run as as his quarterback um, it's got to help all the fakes and all the options stuff that he he, he runs routinely as part yeah. of his offence if you've got a quarterback that can actually do it and Kaepernick I think he's capable of, of making the best use of Kaepernick whether it, it will work or not I don't know it would possibly make sense for them to go out and sign RG3 particularly as, as we know that running quarterbacks don't always last so yeah. having a second player at that position 
inability might be a good shot but um he's already talking about being okay with not having personnel decisions this time and I think that that's probably more where he got himself into trouble with what he was trying to do in Philadelphia and if they're prepared to back him and take on a board all the stuff he's trying to do with sports science and he can develop the depth of defense that can cope with um, what happens if the offense get does go free and out does get the quick turnover and you need that stamina in the defense to keep up because the offense isn't going to grind out huge long drives to give your defense a break but it could really work but yeah. it won't be a quick fix no that's it going back to the titans they've uh, not only have they made mike malarkey their uh, new head coach obviously they've um, they've also got a new gm in john robinson he's been uh, talking this week about how he's willing to listen to offers for the first pick is this just a, do you think this is just a, a kind of open let's let's have a listen to to what's out there or or do you think actually they they genuinely will look to to potentially trade that I think that they want to make it known that they're open to offers because they don't need a quarterback having drafted a quarterback last year. Yeah. And whilst I'm sure, given the state of their roster, they'll be perfectly happy to take you know a potentially franchise-altering player just for at any position, as you tend to get right at the very top of the draft. There's also a risk there, so you might mitigate that by getting more picks slightly further down and so get more chances to pick the right player. And yeah. if someone's going to give you um, the kind of offer that... That, the, that Washington got from what was then the St. Louis Rams all those years ago for, for yeah. that pick, then you've got to think very seriously about it, particularly if you've got a quarterback. Yeah. Well, they yeah, like you say, they don't need a quarterback. And the Browns are at number two. They do need a quarterback. Um, it's quite quite badly by the looks of things. Um, you, they're expected to pick Jared Goff out of the, uh, the, the um, draft. Um, and a quite a, quite a, a good sounding quarterback. Obviously, I, I honestly don't know a lot about him. I don't watch a lot of the college game, but uh, sounds like he's a, 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 a surefire first round pick and should be a, should be starting week one next year. But we could potentially see somebody else um, drop in, quite take a fancy to him, uh, and potentially beat the Browns to it. It's possible, but the thing for me is I'm still fairly early in the draft process, and I like to follow it through the year, but I'm not a college football fan, so I'm sort no. of at the beginning to work stages through. But what I have heard is that this quarterback class is not one that's setting people alight. And, you mm. know, obviously when Andrew Luck was coming out, sort of all through the season you were hearing it about people sucking for luck. And yeah. last season, although it wasn't quite that through the thing they were talking about these two quarterbacks and very early on you knew that was going to be a decision I haven't heard that kind of talk I'm I've heard Goff's name but um I think it might be a little early to be saying that he's definitely going to be the first you know first round starter because frankly I think there might be some first round starters but I've not heard anybody spoken about in terms of that kind of talent best of a bad bunch do we think yeah and I'm just worried I would be worried for the Browns or anybody else leaping up um, if you're not really sure about a quarterback, it's not quite the disaster that it used to be because you're not tied into the old rookie pay scale. So it's not quite as long a term commitment as you as it used to be. But basically, you, no franchise can afford to blow first round draft picks, particularly no. this high. And so if you're not sure about that quarterback and you can either move down and, and, and take like a better risk or there's another fabulous player that's... You know, looking at premium positions, either defensive tackle because they just never last, some kind of pass rusher, or a corner or a tackle, you might be better going with the safer option and building through a later quarterback that you can develop. Bearing in mind that the Browns have 
um, McCown on the roster, who is at least yeah. a serviceable guy that you could bring on a young project behind, survive for a year and develop him, not throw him in straight away and maybe go down that route to get yourself a quarterback. If you were that GM, if you were John Robinson, which kind of position, I don't know, obviously it's a bit early to say potentially, but what kind of position would you be looking at for uh, for the Titans? Um, I would be I would be strongly tempted by offensive line um, just because you have your young quarterback and you want to protect him. Um, I would always consider um, pass rushers, if they're truly elite, defensive tackles because it's really hard just to get those really large tackles that are elite quality later on in the draft or corner corner is always one of those premium positions you can never have too many corners and it's one of those positions where elite athleticism matters so much with a receiver if they run crisp routes and they know what they're doing and they can play in the defense you can against the defense or you can get them later but so much of a corner is about athleticism and reacting. And yes, they need to be able to study the game, but you need a certain level of physical tools. And so if I'm sounding a lot like what the Bengals draft tackles corners, then yeah, that's where I would be looking. Well, going on to our final story of the week, the news story. This one is one that's quite close to my heart. The Panthers have decided to become my favorites for the year, for the year. And I really now want them to, uh, to win the Super Bowl. And the reason for that um, is that they have just, seemingly become best friends you might have seen on social media or on Twitter uh, with Leicester City Football Club which uh, I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to beat around the bush I'm a huge Leicester City Football Club fan while I'm recording this podcast I have the uh, the Leicester Tottenham game on in the background um, <laughs> it's uh, quite an interesting story it was quite uh, it started um, because Leicester decided they had a similar kind of underdog story to the Carolina Panthers didn't do particularly well last year now they're kind of top of the tree this year so to speak um, sent them some football shirts last week uh, there was some interviews done from by their players wearing those Leicester City shirts, which was interesting. And then they uh, exchanged some some tweets and uh, and became best friends. Uh, did you see much of that, Jay? Um Obviously, I saw some of it because um, <laughs> you made me aware about what was going on on social media. What is the score, by the way? Uh, it's nil nil. Okay, fair enough. Um, the fun. I mean, I'm I'm loving this season just to step aside into the wrong football for a moment. Um, I'm f- living in Leicester with Leicester doing this well in the Premiership is an awful lot of fun. So I- I'm betting that the people over in Carolina are loving this football season, and yeah. I think it was a very canny PR move by the um, guys at Leicester City, but also. It's sports people have respect for other sports people, and clearly it's hit a resonance in the locker room, or they wouldn't be wandering around in the in a shirt. Although you know how NFL players are and NFL teams, and what a well-oiled machine machine it is, you wouldn't mind betting that there's a PR man for the Panthers prodding, going, "This is a good story. This is a good story." But you know, I would almost bet my house on it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a... But it's an it's a nice little thing. The Panthers keep rolling. You know, obviously you guys need to um, keep the conversation going up. You know, make sure they win the championship, and then you can win the. Premiership because you know, so <laughs> Lord knows Chelsea aren't this season. No, you're right, you're right. It's uh, I think it's going to be quite a good thing, like you say. It's, it is a PR. It's definitely a PR stunt, um, but it's quite nice and it, it's quite it's quite good to see. I already as a as a Leicester fan over here, I've already seen people who don't potentially uh, potentially watch a bit of NFL, but aren't. I wouldn't say they potentially have a team or anything like that. Already last last weekend were uh, 
We're calling for the Panthers, giving it the whole keep pounding thing uh, on Twitter and on social media. Um, so it's quite a good, uh, quite a good little strategy, and it looks like it's worked. Oh, that, I mean, that's that's really good to hear. Just just because anything that gets people involved in football, anything that makes them helps them maybe pick a team, because you hear yeah. all these stories all the time about how people um, pick a team and how it's uh, um, it can be very small, random things from a trip to to just happens to be the first game that you watch to a television. And so yeah. if there's somebody who's a general NFL fan in and around Leicester who's looking looking for a club and suddenly you know there's a, even this small link to the Panthers and it makes them pick a side that helps draw them in and that can only be a good thing for the sport absolutely I really like it it was it made me uh, made me chuckle over the uh, over the weekend I must say and it was uh, it was it was I thought it was a really good uh, good idea um who were uh, I mean let's uh, throw this out there to any listeners what uh, what team would you like to uh, see your NFL team linked with here over here in the UK and what can you uh, potentially think that uh, that your team are like it's uh, it, give us a uh, drop us an email twfpodcast@outlook.com uh, and we'll see uh, see what we uh, get on there I think there's going to be some interesting ones am I allowed to go with one already yeah go for it because I I instantaneously what I would like with my, like my football team Chelsea FC to learn from the Cincinnati Bengals is how not to fire coaches at the first sign of adversity. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, well, I, th- I th- don't think they will. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this week was divisional week. We've just seen the four divisional games uh, played this week. Uh, Saturday's first game saw the Kansas City Chiefs play the uh, New England Patriots. Well, first of all, what a good few games we've had this week. Or the last couple of weeks, in fact. Absolutely fantastic games. The the Chiefs-Patriots game was uh, ended up at uh, the Patriots winning 27 points to 20. A uh, really solid performance by both of the offences, um, I thought, uh, when I watched it. Um, good game from Tom Brady. Um, again, uh, three over three hundred yards, uh, almost two hundred of those were just to Edelman and Gronkowski. So it was quite a uh, uh, quite a good game for those. But not again for the, for well, I say the second week running. Obviously, didn't play last week, but for their second game in a row, very very little on the rush. They only only got thirty eight rushing yards this week. I think a bit of a theme will develop in this week's games, and not only were they all good, but we sort of learnt a a lot about one team in mm. each of these games very early on and sort of what we saw from the Patriots was that yes their players were back and yes it made a difference because they actually looked like themselves but I also think that they took a decision that with the injuries to Tamborali and Justin Houston that they were maybe they weren't going to be able to run against that defence still mm. that the, the run defence was still going to be good so they tried to pick them apart with short passing and that's what really worked and to be honest we've seen that game plan a lot from them this season they don't really have a pound it at them running back and so their sort of preferred method is, seems to have been the short passing and the Amadola Edelman sort of Gronk attack and they yeah. had all three of those and Brady was able to get the ball out of hand quick enough that um, that helped the defensive line. They had um, Solder back at left tackle, and so it all just sort of paid into them looking much more like the team that won. Was it ten straight at the beginning of the season? Yeah, something along those lines, wasn't it? It was something something like that. Alex uh, Alex Smith, of the, uh, the the Chiefs, ended up with with more running yards himself than the entirety of the uh, the. the that Patriots team which I thought was quite interesting when I had a, had a quick look at the stats after it it wasn't something that struck me while, while the game was playing but uh, looking back at the stats afterwards yeah, that uh, made, me, made me laugh a little bit yeah, um, I mean, we've talked in the past. He, he's got surprisingly good scrambling skills, and he's been doing that, doing a, a good amount of running for this team all the way through. And they moved the ball okay. They didn't turn it over, which is sort of his trademark. But um, 
the that final drive, you you you're down late, and Andy Reid's talked about it that you know he didn't want to give Tom Brady the ball back in after the game, but it just felt a bit weird that you were two scores down and you were being so slow and methodical in that sort mm. of final drive, and and we there's been a lot of talk about um, Andy Reid's clock management over the years, and it's sort of coming back to to haunt him, which is a shame because. He's done an amazing job just to get this side here. They were sort of one and five at one point this season. Uh, it was all going very wrong, and it was could have been very easy for that for him to lose that locker room and for them to give up. And actually, they've done themselves proud. Um, came a little bit short. It was just a, a one or two too many two key injuries sort of obviously Jeremy Macklin um, yeah. high ankle sprain on a week high ankle sprains can loiter for, for, for a long time it was it, I don't think you'd have seen him if it wasn't a playoff game and, and obviously with the injuries in the defence they couldn't quite pull it together in that final game but they had a hell of a season and it was a really good game they did, and like you say, Brady obviously seems to be uh, feeling better. The team as a whole looked like they were they were kind of they were, in terms of the Patriots sorry looked like they were back to their fresh selves Brady should, seems to shake, have shaken off his, his leg injury ran in a touchdown himself yes yes um, you know a couple of weeks rest and, and yeah I was, it was I, I did enjoy the fact that um, they, they were only ever going to quarterback sneak it weren't they after he was denied oh, in the, the of initial course they run. were yeah of course they were I say I thought he was going to get it on that on that first uh, when he when he made the long run he made a, was it about ten fifteen yards wasn't it I thought he was going to get it then but uh, yeah not to be but uh, the QB sneak after that uh, seemed to work but yeah the Patriots uh, took control in the third quarter it was quite close up to that point but they took control in the third quarter uh, got to fourteen six and then pulled away to twenty seven thirteen halfway through the fourth and it was a bit late for a, for a Chiefs comeback which like you say I found it a bit surprising they didn't really go for it. Yeah, I mean, it was 14-6 at half time, and yeah, then they extended it to 21, and, and the Chiefs sort of pulled themselves back into it. But yeah. the the Patriots just were, looked like the Patriots, didn't they? And and they there was that late surge from the Chiefs, but you just had that feeling that, okay, off they go to yet another championship game. They do, absolutely indeed. And, uh, and, and that's obviously led to the Chiefs' 23-year uh, wait for a championship game continuing, which is... Uh, yeah, it's not not good for them, but uh, we'll but, see what uh, see what next next year brings. I suppose no, but um, they've got some they've got some positive stuff to build on, um, and at least they got the playoff win because they're another team that had a long drought yeah. of playoff wins. So you know it was good to get that that win and and give themselves a solid base to work through next year. That's it. Well, the second game on Saturday was the Packers visiting the Cardinals. Um, again, the home team won on this one. The, Car- uh, the Cardinals won by 26 points to 20. Um, some people have been calling this the best game ever. What did you think of it? It was probably the best game of the season. Um, yeah. The best game ever might be a bit of a big call. I'm not sure I've seen <laughs> that, but it was a great game that had everything, pretty much. Oh, it did. It was yeah, it was a really good back and forth game. Um, neither team really took control, um, and some some massive complete like um, that sixty yard uh, Jeff Janis um, catch for the Packers. Uh, seven, the the overtime um, well, I suppose it was it's technically a catch, but it was it was more run than catch uh, from Larry Fitzgerald um, seventy five yarder. It was some some just some fantastic moments. Yeah, I mean even. I mean, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald had 176 yards off 12, uh, 12 targets and eight yeah. receptions, um, and was, and it was so good that I love that little toss 
out to him for for the touchdown. It was a great play. It was a lovely. You sort of Carson Palm had like three options on that on the design of that play to get the ball into the end zone, and it, it sort of felt right that Fitzgerald was the one to get the touchdown. But um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, um, the, the Packers defense offense struggled for a lot of this game and it was their defense that kept them in but Aaron Rodgers finds a way and his second successful Hail, Hail Mary play of the year um, the yeah. crazy play before it again to Janice where he's scrambling in the end zone and escapes the safety and, and makes that throw to a to a point to Janice I mean it was it was late on they were almost moving the ball better with their backup receivers having lost Randall Cobb to to an injury mm. and it was just um they were having to rely on them because James Jones was just being marked out of the game so they just mm. they just basically had to give up and run to their two young receivers and it's almost like wow these guys are doing such a good job maybe they should have been mixed into the group into the game earlier on but we did you'd have thought so that's it the, that that injury to, to Randall Cobb, a bruised lung, that sounds so painful. I mean, yeah, he caught that ball, <laughs> which was then puckled back for a holding penalty. Yeah, very And dis- gets very like coughing blood, and it was just like, oh, man. Yeah, and he didn't look that nasty. Day. I mean, it was a tangle with a corner, but you know, it didn't look like a nasty moment. And it just goes to show that this is, you know, a tough, tough game. And going back to the Cardinals, um, mm. Carson Palmer was a bit iffy in this one. Um, it's only his third playoff game, um, and in fairness, he didn't play that much of the first one because of the the infamous knee being blown out against the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers back in two thousand and five, and I think. Maybe there's a certain... I don't know how much to read of this with pressure and experience, but the other thing was that um, they made a big thing about the strapping on his finger, and there were a lot of balls that just seemed to be sailing on him and just being a little bit inaccurate, and then maybe just a tiny bit tight and pressing a little hard, and they weren't quite looking like the Cardinals were used to. Yeah. Well, both teams could have uh, could have taken control of it. They both had a, uh, a pick in the end zone, um, which, was, uh, which cost them... Uh, touchdowns, uh, so it was. Uh, they they absolutely both could have uh, could have taken control of the game much earlier than they did. As it happened, like you said, it obviously needed that uh, that last second hail mary from Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, um, which sent it to overtime. But uh, unfortunately for the Packers, the uh, the Cardinals uh, won it with a touchdown about a minute later after that uh, huge Larry Fitzgerald run, which was which was fantastic. The blocking for him was was brilliant. Uh- yeah, it was, the blocking was great, and Larry Fitzgerald just has these playoff games. Um, in the, the season where the Cardinals last went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, he was unbelievable. In this game, it's sort of like a throwback, and he was here, there, and everywhere. And I've talked before about um, his qualities as an all-round receiver, and mentioned him blocking earlier in the season. But yeah, he caught the ball, and that run was just just marvellous to see and it was a great moment and and yeah it was awesome and a great game as well so uh, it was good to uh, good to wrap up Saturday with that one um, going into Sunday's games the Panthers were the victorious team in the first game uh, Panthers took on the Seahawks um, it was the second time in two weeks that the Seahawks had been shut out in the first half um, second time in a, in a row and at, uh, at half time the score was 31 nothing. Um, hell of a comeback though from uh, from the Seahawks. Absolutely hell of a comeback uh, in that second half. Look, they were they really might might go on and do it when they were, they got to twenty one thirty one with about six minutes to go. Um, I absolutely thought that they were going to go on and win the game. I yeah, it, it was a real game. That old cliche cliche of a game of two halves, but boy was this ever one. And yeah. some people have been talking, and, and you can see why about possibly this being partly down to. 
Um, a very tough game in Minnesota, going back to Seattle and then all the way across to Carolina and it being like 10 o'clock body clock their time at the start of this game. And they were just so sluggish out, out, out the gates and the Panthers just leapt on them in that first quarter. Um, yeah. The, the, I mean, as much as anything, the offensive line for the Seahawks, which has been ropey all season, couldn't block the defensive tackles for Carolina. And so they, they were just straight away in the backfield. Marshawn Lynch couldn't get anything uh, going. Russell Wilson was under pressure. He got sacked. He threw, threw that interception again on pressure. And it was just, it was all seemed to fall apart during that first half. And they sort of slowly called themselves back into the game a little bit, but mm. missed those field goal attempts and just couldn't quite make it in the first half. And then the second half, looks like maybe the Panthers got a little bit tight and a little bit nervous. And the Seahawks, with their experience, you know, did a, damn near job of pulling themselves all the way back into it and getting, getting the win and, and yeah you, you get the feeling if it was a game of five quarters that the Seahawks might have won it Quite by quite a way, I'd have thought. Yeah, as well. Um, it was uh, it was a, it was a great game for like you say, Russell Wilson. He got got loads and loads of yards, three hundred and sixty six yards. But he did throw two interceptions, including that that pick which led to a touchdown. Um, and he, like you say, he was sacked five times. He's hit that different that um, offensive line was just just doing nothing. They've had problems all year, particularly in the interior, and this is not a team that you want to have problems in the interior of the line. Both both defensive tackles are very good and, and were causing all kinds of problems in this game. And yeah, Russell it was a bit of a flashback to that Russell Wilson thing of making plays in the breakdown because he's so good moving and seems to have that ability to scramble and then find yeah. a receiver, which is it sort of seems to be the key thing. He bides enough time and the receivers are good enough at their scramble drill that they can get open and he can make plays. Absolutely. Well Jermaine Curse was, was probably the star of the show. Um there uh, that that um Performance of 100, 110 yards, two touchdowns, uh, probably star of the show for the uh, for, for the Seahawks, I would say. Yeah, from a statistical point, absolutely. But also, Doug Baldwin had you know uh, was was doing his thing, and Tyler Lockett has been really good. If there's something the Seahawks want to take away from this season, is that um, they can probably let Marshawn Lynch go with Thomas Rolls. There, you'll probably want another one, but also. Russell Wilson has really developed in the passing game later on in the year. Mm. Um, Tyler Lockett, their third round pick, has really come on, and he was looked at at the beginning of the year as just a just a kick returner, punt returner, and he's really worked himself into the offense. And there's there's it's good they've got more young players because with all the, the top players that they've had um, paid recently, and and they'll need to pay more this off season to have some young talent to help surround those now established stars that were on lesser contracts and are now getting paid their full money's worth is going to be a real help and you know, it wouldn't surprise me necessarily if Jimmy Graham got cut in the off season quite possibly I could I could see it happening well the team have got better since he left mm. if you look at the way the offense has functioned it seems that it's been the ball's been distributed more and it's been working better since 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 he was injured sad as it is to say the uh, the, the Seahawks made the championship game for, in each of the last of the three years uh, Super Bowl in the last two uh, but they're going to have to uh, sit out the last uh, two weeks of the season this time unfortunately with a uh, Carolina Panthers win and as I said earlier I want them to go on to the Super Bowl um <laughs> The final game of the weekend was the uh, Steelers Broncos game. Uh, the Broncos, Denver Broncos, uh, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. The Denver Broncos beating the Pittsburgh Steelers by twenty-three points to sixteen. Um, Broncos will again be appearing in the championship game after uh, after um, putting out the uh, the Steelers in, on on Sunday. 
Yes, and they did it with defence. I mean, the thing we learned early in this game was that we were going to see an entire game Ben Roethlisberger because they opened up with that long pass, which, okay, he didn't make it. He actually managed to overthrow his receiver, but it's like, okay, that's a statement of intent. And this year they've done it in a different way. It's not been that Manning high-powered offence has gotten there. It's been defence. All defence has gotten there. And it it got them through this game. Yeah, well, the, the, both the quarterbacks were, uh, were had been previously injured. With it. Roethlisberger wasn't expected to to play, uh, ended up playing, making nearly three hundred and fifty yards of, uh, of in, in passing. Um, Manning also started his his first game since since week ten, so it was quite uh, it was quite interesting to see that uh, that they both both got games. Yeah, I mean, very different games though. I mean, obviously, you look at um, Roethlisberger's numbers and they look pretty normal, except for the lack of touchdowns and. <laughs> be honest Manning's don't look that normal because he didn't throw an interception he's been throwing a lot of them and he got them into the right sets and there were there were definitely some drop balls that that should have been got but there were also what they you often hear people when they evaluate quarterbacks not just talking about throwing a good ball but throwing a catchable ball mm. and there were an awful lot that didn't quite make it or got tipped and it was just I think it's going to be very sad if we have to spend next year watching Manning either with this team or with another team. You know, maybe yeah. another team might keep him on uh, to help mentor a young quarterback if he wants to do that. But if he want, if he's insistent on starting and and given the season he's had, you know, I, I I'd hope someone close to him would just say, look, this is already possibly one year too far. Mm, yeah, I think you're probably right. I I, I wouldn't like to see him. Um, playing on again next season, like you say, it'll be quite. It'll be a bit sad to see him, see him playing on again. Um, but he's going to be a hell of a coach if he chooses to go to it. Absolutely, <laughs> if he does, and, yeah, and yeah. let's not write his obituary yet. You know, he's in the championship game. It would be a hell of a story if he was to win, if he was able to win the Super Bowl and walk out on top. It would. Um, well, the Steelers. One of the players that they were they were missing was Antonio Brown, but Martavis Bryant really, really st- kind of stood up to the plate, didn't he? He. he uh, more than made up for it. 154 receiving yards um, really made the Steelers look like they were they were kind of on top for the first three quarters. But but a few few sort of sloppy errors um, really really kind of held them back and lost them the game in the fourth. Yeah, I mean the one thing to say about Bryant is he got a lot of yards, but he also put down six. You know he was targeted 15 times and, and got yeah. nine catches, and and they were not efficient in the red zone. Um, you, you know it was all field goals, very little if any touchdowns. Said he suddenly having a moment. There was uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the one touchdown early on, but uh, yeah. and then and then they just no passing touchdowns. Though. Yeah, they couldn't punch it in, and and that was it's that thing where they kept eking things out, but it was a tight game almost all the way through until that fourth quarter when um, the Broncos got their touchdown. Um, mm. But otherwise, it was just it had just one week too many as 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 often been my cried in the off season. I suspect it's one of those things that just you would have thought with um Brown that the Steelers could well have won this game. Yeah. But uh yeah, unfortunately for for Pitt, for the people of Pittsburgh, they didn't. I don't think you were you would have been uh, too uh, disheartened by that fact, though. I find it hard to be too upset. Equally, I I, I don't really want to gloat either. You know, <laughs> I, I hope Anto- Antonio Brown is one of my favourite players. He's probably, well, I would say, he's the best receiver in football right now. And you yeah. want to see those players playing. And and it's I don't want to get into the whole perfect head hunting thing again. But you know it. it it was a big moment in in the game the week before, and its after effects are, are still being felt in Pittsburgh, and that's only going to add to, I would imagine, the rancor that will surround the games next season. Unfortunately, 
Yeah. Well, the Denver Broncos then go on to the championship game this week, and let's hope that we get a couple of games that are equally as good as the ones we've had this week. Very much so. The ball is loose. It's a right, it's that time again to have a look at what G's been writing about on the blog this week. Um, it all got very deep this week on the blog. Um, you looked at uh, grief not only in football but in uh, all sorts of different contexts. Yeah, um, I was trying not to be too glib about it, but um, we mentioned in the last week, uh, it's pod that obviously it's been a rough week. I mean, to be honest, it's been a rough start of um, the year, and certainly has. We keep losing musicians. We've lost a couple more this week, and. I didn't want so much to, to do a comparison, but it's just one of the things that struck me as interesting was in in the wake of the um, the reaction to to Bowie's death, there was a certain certain type of person or certain element of of, of piece being written about um, this isn't a personal loss to you. To why are you not so upset? And I thought that was interesting, mm. given that um, you don't often well you might, but that it sort of seems okay acceptable for a bloke to be upset because his team lost but you know a musician dies and you're properly grieving and upset about it because it's a musician it's like why is that important it's like well it's an impersonal part it's an important part of your life music is very personal to us but also mm. a team is very important to us in terms of it's one of those ways that we build an, an identity and sell ourselves to the world I am an NFL fan you are a Dolphins fan you know that kind of, of thing is all part of the makeup that, that surrounds us and I just wanted to look into that a little bit it and, and write about that in reaction to me just having like the worst series of days ever <laughs> nearly yeah no it was a really i thought it was a really interesting piece and you made some good points in there like you say um the the, the fact that 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 people are, are so surprised when people when when you when you when you're kind of grieving for, for for somebody you've lost but actually when your team's lost oh well that's fair enough yeah he's, he'd, he'd be a right mess for a day or so but yeah, it, it was. I thought it was an interesting piece this week. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I, 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 things will be a little more football orientated, I suspect, this week. Well, what's uh, what, what have you got planned to take a look at this week? Um, I'm thinking of looking, uh, picking out the theme I mentioned of, a few minutes ago. I think um, just that idea of of the way that this, this game works is often we've had the sort of like you have these amazing performances but often at this time of year it's almost who is healthy who's got lucky at the right moment and just the nature of the playoffs and it's shifting into uh, a almost like a cup competition at the end of a long season well for all of that and much more make sure you check out the blog this week at thewrongfootball.com are you ready for some football well it's the penultimate week of the season if you don't count the uh, the pro bowl which we uh, don't so it- which we don't, of course. Um, it's the uh, the championship games week, and both games this week are being held on Sunday. Uh, so the first game sees the AFC game of the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. I think this is going to be an interesting game. It's potentially the last time we'll see uh, Brady Manning, isn't it? I think it's the 17th time they've played each other. Yeah, it's the 17th Brady Manning game. It doesn't really feel like a Brady Manning game because uh, Manning is that little bit younger and hasn't had the, the four neck surgeries and yeah. looks like himself at the peak of his powers. Um, and Peyton Manning, as we've previously discussed, has got here mainly because of his defence and just doesn't look right this season. So I think it will be a very interesting game because that Denver defence is really good. Um, I don't mm. expect the Patriots to attempt to pass the ball at all because nobody can really run the ball successfully on the Broncos this year. They are good at every level of that defence. And so knowing Bill Belichick and his approach to the season this year, I don't expect to see the Patriots attempt many passes. Sorry, in many runs at all. No, I think it's going to be a good game though. I think... Um, uh... 
uh, always when the, you get two teams like this playing. In fact, always when when there's a championship game, you always get a good game out of it. I, I think I'm, I'm yet in my in my however many years I've been watching NFL, I'm yet to see a bad championship game. Uh, yeah, you sometimes get damp damp squib Super Bowls where where yeah. because one of the conferences are overpowered the other. But you know, this year we've got both both in both games we've got um, the first and second seeds playing. The Broncos did beat the Patriots earlier in the year, and it just yeah. It should be a really fun game. I, I have to confess, I think the Patriots will be going to another Super Bowl. Um, I just think that their defense, obviously, not, although not as good as the Broncos, is good. And with having Tom Brady, Mr. Clutch, I just think that tips the scales for me. Yeah, I don't really fancy either of these teams, if I'm perfectly honest. Usually I uh, I will try to support whoever's in the AFC in, in for the Super in the Super Bowl but uh, as you know as a as a Dolphins fan as an AFC fan um but I don't really fancy either of these teams so while I think that the Patriots will probably do it I certainly won't be supporting them I'll be supporting whoever uh, wins the NFC game I think You know full well who I'll be supporting yeah, well, absolutely. You're going to be a Cardinals uh, guy. So, yeah, moving then quite nicely onto the NFC game. Uh, the Cardinals are visiting the Carolina Panthers. Um, you'll be supporting the Cardinals in this one. I, I will be supporting the Panthers. So this could be interesting. Yes, um, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm hoping both teams relax a bit and play a bit more like themselves all the way through the game. Just because you could tell from what was going on on offense that maybe the pressure was getting a little bit to the Cardinals. They got away a little bit from how well that offense has run all year although in their defence I will say the Packers defence and I'm not sure I covered this enough earlier is really quite good and although they're not outstanding they they got pressure well and they, they, they really played their part in that game and this week they're facing another tough unit in the Panthers uh, and so you just worry a little bit about the Cardinals the Panthers went 15-1 for a reason I love Bruce Arians, which is sort of why I'm sort of being a bit of a, um, a Cardinals fan at this time of year. I love his approach to football. I think he's done a great job with his team. He He's a really good coach and has already won coach of the year twice and, you know, could be a candidate every year, it looks like to me. Um, that said, the Panthers also have their own coach of the year candidate. That defense has been spectacular. I, this is my game of the weekend. I'm really, really looking forward to this game and I hope it lives up to my expectations because they're really possible possibly getting a little high. Me too. I think it's going to be a good game this one. And also you get to see Carson Palmer in a championship game. I would in in all seriousness there was there's some talk about him being bitter about about the Cincinnati experience and, and and Cincinnati fans thinking that you know after pushing for the trade and everything else he played so well for us um, if you look at some of the stuff that went on it looks like that he didn't exactly have the most stable of receiver rooms whilst he was there I think he just needed to to be away bearing in mind that um, we still haven't won a playoff game and and you know he's now like 13 years into his career it took him a couple more teams before he found another home but you know i would would be really pleased for him if if yeah. he could if he could get to the big game call it then who do you think is going to the to the super bowl i'm thinking it's going to be patriots panthers i'll be honest i yeah i i think you're probably right um if i'm honest uh, i think i think the patriots will do it it could go either way with the, the cardinals panthers for me um have to see which which team turns up. I agree. Um, I think that um, both teams in the NFC have a really good shot. I think it might be who controls the nerves best, but I'm expecting a really great game. And to be honest, I'm really hoping that the pa- I'm almost hoping the Patriots win. Except I'm not because I'm not a huge Patriots <laughs> fan. But my worry is with the Broncos 
that they are going to really struggle against either NFC team in the game. And I think we're going to get a better Super Bowl if the Patriots get there. So almost strictly is strictly from from a wanting the best Super Bowl possible. How very reasonable of you! <laughs> I do. You do know I like to try and be the voice of reason when I'm not being too Bengal centric. Well, we've got two good games here, and I think it'll be interesting to see who reaches the Super Bowl this week. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's it for episode 14 of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 15, looking back at the championship games and starting to look ahead to the big one, the Super Bowl. In the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Wrong Football, get involved in a bit of banter at the TWF Facebook page, and check out the blog at thewrongfootball.com. As I said earlier, if there's anything you want us to discuss next week, uh, drop us an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Interesting. Thank you.